You're listening to Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall. Well, folks, it is time for another episode of Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall. I am very excited because today we're going to be talking about a number of subjects, hard-hitting topics, Mengala. Uh, we're going to be talking about Tibet. We're going to be talking about shadow people. Now, if you've been in the arena of studying conspiracy, you know that a lot goes back to World War II and the Nazi regime. There's, there's a whole lot that's connected to these things, a lot of people that are waking up to their occult exposure, especially in the government-sponsored mind control projects, are dating back some of their problems to events that arise out of World War II, German programming, science, Antarctica, uh, some of these things. And Jan is no different. As a matter of fact, our guest today has direct exposure to Mengele and has even been uh, through a number of programming sessions involving him. Jen has been one of my clients for a while. She has joined us on this podcast on several occasions to discuss different elements of her story, her past, the memories she is recovering. And today, she is going to be joining us for some really hard-hitting, jaw-dropping data. Uh, Jen, it is so good to have you back on Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall. Thanks, Dan. It's really good to be back. And um, I just wanted to, th first off, I wanted to thank everybody for the encouragement that you gave me on my last podcast for publishing my book. And I wanted to give you an update that the book has been written, but there are a lot of steps between writing a book and publishing a book. So I'm trying to walk through all those steps now, and I'm learning as I go. So it might take a while, but it is on the way. <laughs> so thanks, everybody. So I wanted to start this um, podcast by um, kind of sharing with everybody some of the ways that I come into a session with Dan. And um, sometimes the Lord will come to me like the day of my session and give me a, a download on something that needs to be worked on. And so I just bring that in and, and we go from there. Sometimes there's um, um, a deliverance of some sort that I need that, that happened through the week and I haven't been able to get clear. And so we'll start out with a prayer of deliverance and then the Lord will take us into things that are deeper um, from that. It'll be a springboard. Uh, sometimes there's things left over from the session before or from, um, you know, three months before, six months before even sometimes. And then the Lord will bring that up at the beginning of the session and it, it will, con it will uh, take work that we've done previously and then bring it on forward. And that happens a lot. Um, sometimes I don't have any idea where we're going and I just show up. And then Dan always invites Jesus to come on board. And when he's there, then he just starts doing things or saying things. And then we just follow him. Uh, sometimes I have a dream. And uh, this doesn't happen real often. But this a session that I'm getting ready to talk about is one of those times when I had a dream. And I brought the dream into the session. So the dream that I had was um, uh, some bad people were chasing me. <clears throat> they chased me into this old building. It was very ancient. And it had, uh, there was a woman that was um, on the floor and she had a baby with her and her husband was standing nearby and she was in front of a very, very ancient wall, wooden wall. 
And um, I had a knowing from the dream that, the, that we were going to go behind the wall. But I also had a knowing that somehow the images of this woman and her baby and the man were a wall of horrific memories that were, I wasn't sure at the time if they were actual memories of events that had happened in my life or if they were screen memories that were um, making a, a wall to keep me from the real memories. And so that's, that's where we started. Wow. Yeah. And folks, let me tell you something. As we get into this, I'm telling you, uh, you're going to have to prepare yourself. I want to set a few things in place as Jan begins to describe what she's going to be telling us. Number one, as Jan speaks, some of her memories and some of the things that we discovered occur in the natural realm, that is in the physical body. But a lot of the things that she describes and remembers and recovers occur in the astral realm or we could call it just the lower regions of the spirit world. And this can get a little confusing for people if they don't understand, as someone begins to describe certain things, that some things are occurring in the body and other things are not. But when we understand that there are things that occur that are real events, but in the astral realm, it helps us to get a better picture of, oh, I get it now, I understand. And I... I, I do know that a lot of what she's about to walk us into occurred in the astral realm, though not all of it. And so uh, with, that, with that said, Jan, let's just walk into this. And uh, why don't you describe to us how you got around this wall of trauma memory? Oh, I really like this story. You know, Jesus, one of the things that I've always loved about him the most is his sense of humor. And in the work that we've done, it seems like his humor is coming out more and more and more as I get more and more relaxed with the process. And oftentimes I find out that he will show up in a funny outfit or with a um, some piece of equipment or something that will just make me laugh in the very beginning. And I think he does that because it helps me to relax and actually get into the work. And so this, this time was one of those times when I, when I originally saw the image of this woman with her baby and the man, there was a lamb. And so when you asked for the Lion of Judah to come in, I saw the Lion of Judah, but I saw the lamb and I reported that to you. And so you said something about, well, um, how are we going to get around this wall can Jan ride the lamb? And I think you were, <laughs> you were seeing an image of me on the lamb. Well, I'm seeing an image of this little baby lamb and me <laughs> on, the, on the back of this lamb with my feet dragging the ground. <laughs> and it just... I was laughing so hard because the image was just so, it was so funny. And so I said, well, uh, we're, I, I asked you because you told me that you were seeing this image. And I said, well, my, were my feet dragging the ground? <laughs> and you said, well, no, maybe you were just shrunk. And then you made a crazy comment about, honey, I shrunk the Jan. And then that that me. Okay, and, and folks, let me just say this. What Jen is describing right now, th this is not 
the astral realm. Okay. This is simply inside of her subconscious. So she had the dream and we come in and we begin to work on it and we, okay, we believe the dream is revealing a subconscious structure. So now we're in session and we are addressing the issue with quite a bit of humor. Thanks to Jesus. Uh, <laughs> honey, I shrunk the jam. Wow. So, so I asked Jesus, I said, well, I don't know, Jesus, if I'm supposed to ride the lamb around, I guess you'll figure out a way for me to do it. So I saw immediately, I saw this lamb become not a, not a baby lamb, but a, a like a stuffed lamb with wheels under it. <laughs> so, so I'm like, okay, that works for me. <laughs> so I rode the lamb around the, this old uh, ancient wall. And um, the first thing I saw was an image of the Garden of Eden. But, but coming out of the side of the Garden of Eden, there was another, uh, another realm, another uh, town or another village or something. And I started describing it. And I got the word Shambhala. And I had heard the word Shambhala before, but I really didn't know what, I really didn't know what Shambhala was. So you filled me on, in on a few of those details. Um, about where, what Shambhala is, where it is, so forth. So I don't know if you want to uh, share any of that. Well, the- yeah, you know, folks, w- one of the things that we have been connecting with uh, is that there is a hollow earth. There are a lot of things that go on, not only just underground, as in deep underground military bases and uh, other ungodly activity and, and even entities burrowed uh, underground but there is an area inside of the earth that has civilization i mean it, it it this this is real and so shambhala happens to be one of the areas of the hollow earth that has been known about for a very long time and it is even suggested that there are entrances or gates or portals to Shambhala in the Tibetan mountains. And it's suggested as well that this is one of the reasons for the Nazis' interest in Tibet. Uh, what were they trying to connect with? Remember, the Aryan race is associated with Shambhala. They, they, they are an inner earth dwelling race. And that is exactly what Hitler was trying to connect with. And so the connection runs real deep. And it was very fascinating to find that here we are running into Shambhala in Jan's system. And so we started asking questions, but uh, I'll let you tell that story, Jan. (laughs) Okay, so um, Dan asked Jesus if I was was, uh, tethered to Shambhala or Tibet. And I wasn't apparently to Shambhala, but Tibet I was. There was a connection there. So um, the first thing I saw was a throne over this temple in Tibet. And uh, the throne had this entity on it, like nothing I've ever seen before. It had so many arms and appendages on it. And um, so I was, uh, it was just a horrific looking thing. And so... um, Daniel, I think, uh, um, mentioned that there was a Sanat Kamara was uh, actually supposed to be a ruling spirit, I think, over Shambhala. And so uh, I kind of got a confirmation on that, that that's what we were dealing with. And so um, 
it came to me that there was that that I had been sent there, and that it was a program that was um, called a Reign of Terror programming. And I remembered when that came to me that in 1990, uh, a lot of my parts had emerged and they were doing a lot of artwork. And I remembered a picture that they had drawn that was called the Reign of Terror. And so that, um, that sort of encouraged me on because it gave me confirmation that we were uh, on the right track at that, at that point. So um, we, that, that was the Reign of Terror programming is actually what formed this wall of terror that the Lord was taking me around. Mm -hmm. And that was a, um, just to seal in the, the actual memory of what had happened when I went to, uh, to Tibet. So it turned out that Mingala, uh, I was programmed by Mingala, and that um, I think I was probably eight or nine, maybe 10 when I was taken there the first time. And it was a programming center in Colorado, near Colorado Springs. And um, I have a lot of memories from that area. But this particular memory, um, I remembered Mingala. Uh, he had a, a laboratory, which I spent a lot of time in. But this memory, he took me down the hallway to another room. And in this room, there was a chair. And it makes me wonder if it wasn't a chair like the Montauk chair, because it was a chair that I had to sit in for, uh, to do this work. And so they, he started out by um, uh, giving me a shot, number one, which was pretty standard. But um, he started showing me pictures of Tibet, and he was very excited, and um, just talked about that I was going to get to go to Tibet. And uh, I, was, um, I was about 14 when this actual memory happened. But I had been going there for quite some time by this time. So um, this chair, uh, I don't really remember anything about this chair other than it was big and I had to sit in it. And then when I, when I had the shot, then of course I didn't, at a conscious level, I wasn't remembering anything else that, that happened. So um, um, I traveled in the astral from this chair. And uh, I had a sensation of, of just moving really fast, like down a, um, a tunnel, or uh, it was just darkness, and, and I was just moving at a very rapid space. And when I showed up in, uh, in this temple in Tibet, there was one man that was there to meet me. And there was a whole uh, group of little boys, and I, I think they were probably, I would say, seven, eight years old. They were pretty young. And um, they were there for a ritual that was going to be done with me. And they were essentially going to be um, powering up on uh, um, the energies that I had acquired through this programming with Mingala. And so I was born in February of 1949. And if you take that back nine months, I was actually um, uh, conceived probably in the same week, if not the same day, that Israel became a nation. So, y'all, y'all, take special note of that. Okay, it's very important. Go ahead. Yeah, and I, I've come across other, a few other people that were born or conceived at that same time. So I, um, the Lord has really given me some downloads on that 
whole thing. And basically what they did was, um, you know, the, the occult, the Illuminati, have, have their ideas of how the end times are going to play out. They have their own plans, and they, they believe that they're um, instrumental in everything that's going to happen, which, you know, they could be. But um, so they're always planning on an Antichrist. For every generation, they have Antichrist standing in the, in the wings. They also have Brides of Christ standing in the wings. And I think this was the program that I was was um, designed for. And I think it was because of my lineage, because of the, um, the bloodlines that I had come from. So the downloads the Lord has given to me on it is that Hitler was uh, so deep into the occult that he achieved a very extremely high status as an occult person. And his status was such that he could actually channel Satan. So when he would breed with women and Satan was on board, it was essentially Satan breeding the women. So they considered the children that were born from those unions as Satan's children. And so um, that, I believe, is how I came to be. In some of the work I did on my own at home, um, mingle, um, some of the Mingala information came forth of how he showed me later on when I was older a sacrifice of a woman that had been bred in this way. And what had happened was she had conceived, and I don't think the the embryo was very old at all, just a few days, and they actually sacrificed this woman and took the egg and implanted it into a second woman who carried the egg to full term. In my case, I believe that once I was born, that woman, the second woman, was also sacrificed, and then I was put in the arms of my quote-unquote mother, which, I, you know, I don't know if she's my mother or not. Hmm. I question that now that all this information has come forward. And so uh, it, it seems to be a pretty, um, like a protocol, a protocol that they use to create these women for each generation, just like the Antichrist, that will stand in as the bride of Christ. Yeah, and, you know, you, you said a, quite a mouthful there. And I, I mean, this, this may seem like a silly question, but do you believe that Hitler was physically used at 1948? Or do you believe the mainstream storyline that he died and somehow maybe they froze some of his DNA? This is a personal question. Yeah, um, you know, Daniel, I really don't, I really don't know about that. I know I've had some information come forth that he didn't really die. Mm -hmm. uh, I've had other information come forth that he did die, and they used his brain to clone or to try to make clones of him, which are still operating. Um, I also, there's also some questions for me personally about when the actual conception 
took place. In other words, I was conceived in 1948 according to my birth certificate, but I don't know for sure that that wasn't an egg that was frozen or an egg that was kept or, you know, so I don't, I don't know that part. Um, but I know that me, but what I was shown was the, the protocol that, that is used and has been used to create these uh, chosen, chosen ones, if you will. So. Well, so you are now astral projecting to Tibet from the United States, which by the way, um, for the average person is really difficult uh, to astral project that far. Um, not that I endorse astral projection because folks, I don't, but this is what is done in the occult. And so we talk about it. Now, Jan has extraordinary abilities in our last episode. You talked about astral projecting and remote viewing on Mars and the moon and other places. So um, this is the kind of level of power that Jan had abilities in and, and, and you're there for a ceremony. So you are actually in the astral realm as a person about to do a ritual with Tibetan monks and these children who are there physically and they're aware of you there in the astral. That's incredible. Please continue the story. Thank you. You know, it's really interesting because uh, now that I understand and I know how that works, I still don't have a conscious um, uh, awareness of that, but that, uh, that uh, way of, of doing things. <laughs> I see in the spirit and I, I see my memories in the spirit and I go in the spirit and see things, but I don't have, I don't think I've ever actually experienced traveling in the astral at a conscious level. Mm -hmm. So um, for me, it's still one of those, you know, it's not that I really want to experience that in the conscious level, but uh, it's still out there for me. So, um, you had asked um, you'd asked Jesus if uh, if I needed to be untethered from um, Tibet and so forth, and so uh, you started praying and you prayed for this um, uh, the temple. You pay, prayed for Mingala's lab, and uh, the, the interesting thing was when you started praying, I saw that lab just exploding. I mean, it just broke into a million pieces, and. Um, after that, the Lord kind of gave me a download that that lab was actually in the astral, mm. which was interesting because I had done some research um, on that facility looking for evidence of that facility on Google Maps. And I had found an imprint in the area where I thought that building stood, uh, but I knew that the building was no longer there. So when I saw it explode, I thought, well, this is really interesting. And then uh, come to find out this this building had actually been kept in the astral, used in the astral, and Mingala had actually worked there in the astral. Which um, for me just adds another whole, I mean, Mingala has a very uh, extensive history in the physical and the astral in America. And um, I don't know whether we'll ever unravel all of that or not, but uh, it's, it's amazing. Uh, 
Well, and I think that people that are awakening to the knowledge that they have been used in laboratories, manipulated in laboratories, and experimented on in laboratories are running into the brutal reality of trying to reconcile a story that requires an understanding of the lower realms of the spirit or the astral world um, because what they are looking for is not going to be found in the physical realm, even though their experiences are very real. I think that this fundamental lack of understanding, this single key, I think has kept a lot of people bound up and locked up because they can't believe their memories were they to surface because the physical evidence is lacking because there is no physical evidence and we have to begin to come to a just agreement that look we're going to look at the whole of creation for what it is because it is real god made it and you know what evil has manipulated it and people have experiences that are legitimately happening in non-physical locations and I'm so glad that you're able to articulate that. Absolutely. And you know, another, another part of that is, for me, it's been hard to accept the memories and the information that's come forth because it doesn't match the history that I've been taught. Hmm. And so I think this is a huge uh, schism. <laughs> for survivors because we we have not been taught history as it has really played out. There have been many things that have been hidden from us, uh, these programs, agendas, and so forth. And when you have a memory of something that happened that is not in a history book anywhere that no one has ever talked about, it's so hard to believe that because it doesn't match up with the, you know, the party line so to speak. And so I've, I feel like after all these years, I'm finally getting to a place where I can start um, uh, working around that so that I don't have, so I'm not so dependent on trying to prove everything historically because it just, you just can't do it. It's just not there. So, and Mengele is, is one of the biggest uh, subjects of this because his history is, uh, very different from what the books would would tell us, I believe. So, so you, um, yeah. So you prayed in the, the child. I had seen children in cages still in that astral laboratory of Mingalas. Um, so you know, it was it was still operating by a soul part of Mingala. So uh, another thing that you prayed about. Um, when you prayed for, about the Tibetan temple was uh, Rothschild's Israel. And I didn't really understand um, the full implication of that. I know that Rothschild is uh, part of my history and the bloodlines and so forth. But I understand it in the sense that, uh, you know, they have their own agenda for the end times and, and you know, think that they're right. <laughs> so it's always good when we have prayers for them. <laughs> <laughs> so after all of that uh, uh after all that prayer that went on you asked me um if i could if i'd look at the wall again that ancient wall that, where we started out and so when i looked at the wall originally the it, it didn't have any cracks in it all the cracks were closed and the boards were real close together and now i could see uh cracks in these 
boards, between these boards. So you suggested that I might want to look through there and see what I could see. And I thought we were finished. I was ready to sign off, goodbye, see you next week, you know, blah. And so when I looked through the cracks of these boards, I could see this beautiful valley. And it was just mountains and hills and grass and beautiful, beautiful landscape and castles. <laughs> oh, man. Here we go. <laughs> so as soon as I said castles, you flew into prayer again. <laughs> and um, I had parts. I had parts from all these rituals that had been done in Tibet. And I think it wasn't just one trip. I think I was there many, many times. And um, so these castles were just full of my parts. And so Jesus just started emptying them out. And I could see from way off in a distance, I could just see all these kids. And coincidentally, they turned out to be about 14, which is the age I was when I went to this, on this original trip to Tibet. And so all these kids were coming out of the castles, and they were all in uh, what I call Templar outfits, because I had a lot of Templar uh, connections in my history. And they, they were all carrying standard flags um, and waving them. And so they're filing uh, all down through the valleys on this little pathway, coming forward from all these castles. And I look down, and here's... Jesus, and he's at the edge of a river, and all these kids are coming down this lane, and as they pass by him, he just blesses them, and they have to go through the river <laughs> to get to the other side. So he was baptizing all these parts as they were coming wow. out of castles of bondage, and uh, the last one in the row of all these children was me on the lamb with wheels. <laughs> So, <laughs> kind of wrapped up the whole day right there. Okay. So, uh, obviously, folks, w what's happening, maybe this isn't so obvious, is that we're running into items, elements of Jan's memory, knowledge that certain things took place. I'm uh, not necessarily when I'm working with her interested in every little detail about okay well what were all seven steps of the ritual involving these Tibetan children I I'm very interested in okay well we have enough to know how to apply a prayer resource in order to get her free and we begin to use prayer resources to untether her from that temple and to untether her from you know Rothschild's Israel and why, why would I use that term Rothschild's Israel well if you look at the history, the history of the Balfour Declaration and how the Rothschilds even had gone in and um, manipulated things in the government leading up to World War II in order to ultimately lay hold of that land post-World War II. It's, it's just a massive, massive conspiratorial effort. And, and you begin to realize the amount of witchcraft involved in the establishment of that land, such as the strategic, okay, uh, 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 um, <laughs> rituals and children being either, uh, I mean, Jan being inseminated or whatever, you know, there, there's a lot of darkness that goes into that foundation. 
And what I'm doing is I'm saying, we're going to untether Jan from that foundation, whatever power they, as in the powers of darkness, drew from Jan's life being literally chosen to be part of that foundation of iniquity in that agenda, they now lose. Why? Because Jan chooses Jesus. And so th there's a lot of deep stuff that goes into why we do what we do, but uh, we're pulling her out so she can enjoy the freedom and liberty that Jesus died to give her. And that's what she is explaining that we're praying into. Uh, we're also liberating parts that are in regions of captivity. And those regions of captivity look like castles in this case. And so uh, God gets all the glory. Did you have something you wanted to add? Um, no, except that um, <clears throat> one of the things that I've been asking Jesus for at the end of my sessions is confirmation sometimes because we keep uh, we keep stretching <laughs> me and it gets harder and you know every time it just keeps getting harder and harder to uh, believe some of the information that's coming forth so I've asked Jesus for confirmation different times and he has been so gracious to provide me confirmations enough I mean a bunch of times now but on this this particular session, I had about three days before the session, I had gone with a friend to a thrift shop, and I came across a, um, a bunch of flags on a string, and I recognized them as um, Buddhist prayer flags. They, oh, wow. were, uh, they were something like you'd get at a dollar store or something. They were a decorative item. And I knew when I saw them that, you know, a Buddhist prayer flag is not something I'd want to have in my house, but I was, I just... I, I just wanted to buy them. They were pretty. And I'm like, okay, I don't know why I'm buying them, but I'm going to buy them. Because I really didn't have any place to put them either. So when this session was all over, um, I just had to grab those and show them to you. Because it's like Jesus had given me a, that as confirmation before the session even happened. So it was like he gave them to me ahead of time. And then I was able to just throw them away because I really didn't, I had no use for them. But uh, it was one of those funny things that he does. It just was so sweet. <laughs> so sweet. <laughs> yeah. And I remember you showing me those, those, those prayer flags. And, and it's just like, this is the kind of stuff, you know, sometimes when there's nothing massive to anchor a confirmation to, Jesus will give small confirmations in various ways. But sometimes the confirmations are massive colossal. And they're so big, the whole world sits there and looks at them while they're happening. It's called world events. And <laughs> the, the next thing that we're going to talk about today, because I know you want to bring this up, has to do with oil fields and shadow people. And folks, let me, let me tell you something. When we were doing this work, which we're about to talk about, she's going to break it down for you. I'm going to tell you at the outset, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, what is this woman talking about? Like, I don't always know where this stuff is going. You have to understand. Even at the end of the session of what she's about to explain to you, I was still kind of thinking like, why? What did we just do? Is there really going to be any fruit? But then when the confirmation came, which I'm not telling you what it is, you're going to have to wait till the end of the program to get it. My mind got blown. So, Let's talk about it, Jan. Let's talk about the oil fields and the shadow people. How did this start? Okay. 
Well, this is one of those times when I had no idea what we were going to be working on in session. So when you asked, and when you invited Jesus to come in, Jesus showed up on a ski-doo. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, two if by sea. And he invited me to get on this ski-doo. So I'm like, okay, well, this is interesting. So my mind is already trying to figure out, you know, which I just, I have, to this date, I've not been able to stop my mind from trying to figure out where we're going. So um, we go, and I see us go out into the Gulf of Mexico, and it looks like we're circling that oil rig that had a spill a number of years ago. So I'm trying to figure out if it's that, if it has something to do with the oil spill or, or whatever, and then, Oh, a couple minutes later, I start remembering that when I when I was a little girl, and this is in my first podcast that my dad murdered some boys, and um, when when that happened, I think we packed up the next day and left Missouri where we lived, and went to Western Kansas, and um, stayed five years out there, and my dad worked in the oil fields in Western Kansas. So now there's this connection. I have the Gulf of Mexico, and now there's this oil fields in Kansas. So it's Jesus. Sometimes it seems like Jesus goes around in circles before before he starts landing on things. And so so anyway, um, my while we were in Kansas, I have an aunt that's three years older than I am, and she and I were twinned together as children, and I believe it happened, probably started happening in, in my initiation ceremony, which I was a year and a half old when that happened. And either she was made a protector over me, or, or I was made protector over her. I'm not sure which way it worked, or maybe we were just made protectors over each other. But basically, my understanding of that is that we were to report back on each other. So we were be, to be snitches so that whatever activities we were involved in, that you know, the powers that be would know what was going on. And so I had known this for a lot of years and had uh, put a lot of prayers on it. She and I had put prayers on it. But uh, there was this twinning process where our souls were entangled in some way. And uh, I don't, you might be able to explain more than that than I understand about it. But I, I know we were connected in, by our souls. Well, and I can explain a little bit about twinning. Now, anything that I explain, you know, is based partially on what I've run into. But also, what we have as people forerunning in this area understand, they're always upgrading their technology so what they did two decades or three decades ago they're not still doing it. they're doing it differently now and uh what they used to do um, and and still in some cases will do is they will twin people by putting them through trauma situations together uh twinning often involves one person watching someone get tortured and then they take turns and then that person that got tortured has to watch the other one get tortured. Uh, then there will be games where one person has to rescue another person from being tortured. And if they're successful, maybe the torture stops. If they're unsuccessful, the torture will continue or be worse. Uh, and then role reversal. So 
there's a trauma bonding that takes place at a very deep level. Then they will go through torture together. They may be buried alive together for a time being or some other kind of thing. They may be tortured simultaneously while watching each other get tortured. And in all of this stuff, there is a lot of soul parts that are getting swapped and knitted together in the process. And, and by the end of this, uh, because of all of that soul swapping that takes place, the two people will be able to be manipulated in significant ways that otherwise would not have been a, uh, possible. And so they call this process twinning. Of course, they can do this with virtual reality. They can do this with frequencies, sounds, tones, uh, brain mapping involved. They, they have a lot more high tech stuff that they are using now, uh, digital twins, um, quantum computers to do twinning that they didn't used to. So with that said, go ahead. Thank you. Um, so when we moved to Kansas, my dad got this job in the oil fields and he worked for a guy that oil, that owned this oil company and we actually ended up living on his land and um, so I never really knew if my dad knew anything about him or the town that we lived in or anything or if that was just hap happenstance but uh, his name was Red and uh, I also knew that the the um, the corner of the town where the boys were killed ended up coming to Kansas also and so he was my main programmer and handler uh, for my whole life, really. And so he showed up there when I was about four years old and start, started some elementary programming on me. I was also screened, I believe, in kindergarten or first grade in Kansas and uh, for um, uh, parapsychology, for um, you know special giftings and so forth. So I think that... Um, may have been where I got into um, where I was identified by the um, like CIA or whoever Mingala was working with at that time. I actually believe that I encountered Mingala when I had my tonsils out when I was five and I was taken to um, a back room of the hospital by a man and I believe now it was Mingala and uh, he put a like a halo, I would call it a halo on my head, and was uh, charged with some sort of energy. And so, I don't know 100% if that's you know if that's where I first encountered him, but I suspect that I might have first encountered him there. And I know that um, this doctor from my hometown and Mingala had this relationship over a lot of years in uh, contracts and so forth for using me on different projects and so forth. So as uh, Jesus is just sort of walking me into this history of living in Kansas and my dad working in the oil fields, my mother had told me that he was drunk a lot when we lived there and uh, she would have to haul him out to the oil rigs and so forth. And um, so Jesus started giving me some um, some downloads about that time about um, these shadow people mm -hmm. and I remember the first thing that happened was I remembered when I was doing the work on my aunt and I and our twinning 
uh, I had these pictures that were drawn by my parts, and they were shadow people. They were uh, figures of me, I thought, and they were back to back. They would stand back to back, they would sit back to back, and they were just all in just uh, dark black crayon. And uh, I never knew what that was all about, but I had a lot of the pictures. There were several of them. And so I, and I knew that they were shadow people. So Jesus started downloading um, this uh, information about the oil fields apparently have legends about shadow people. And it's something that people in the oil fields see um, on a fairly regular basis, I guess. And my dad, if he was drunk a lot, I could see where he might see them, you know, whether they were there or not. But apparently he did see them. And um, so the story was, the legend by the oil field people was that these shadow people got separated at some point and they were always looking for their twin. So if you saw a shadow person, it's because he was searching for his twin. And so... Um, that was the, the, um, the legend of them. Then they developed rituals that they did as, on top of these legends. So they used the legend as a foundation, and then they developed these rituals. And the rituals ended up being um, um, a way that they could develop blood brothers within the brotherhood of the oil field, if that makes sense. So um, my, the download about my dad was that he encountered uh, this shadow people while he was drunk, and he actually made an, uh, a contractual agreement with this oil company owner, Red, for he sold, basically sold my aunt and I uh, into this um, bondage and um, so ended up being a trading floor for my souls and my aunt and I. So the ritual apparently was done so that with one shadow person in my aunt and one shadow person in me because we already had this twinning program foundation, it was a way for these shadow people to connect. And so that was the whole idea, was that there was a connecting going on because of, because of our souls being already connected through the twinning. So um, you asked Jesus about... Um, uh, what they are. What are the shadow people? And so Jesus uh, started giving me the, not, not the information from my history, but more the information from who they actually are. And um, so he said that they were entities that were, that were separated during the fall. At, they, they started out as one, but because of the fall, they were, they were split. They were separated. And one part of the entities live between the fourth and fifth dimensions, and the other part lives between the seventh and eighth dimensions. 
and they reach out to try to connect with each other through the fifth and seventh dimensions. So um, they're, they're, in essence, they're trapped in these dimensions. And so um, they, um, and they, he told me that they, the happen, this happened and they lived actually in the oil fields of the earth. So they were, they came from that time when the oil fields were developed and they actually travel through the oil in the earth was their sort of mode of travel. And so I thought that was kind of interesting that, um, that he brought that up. Um, so, uh, and you know, Jan, it was so interesting when you were saying that and, and folks, I mean, some of the stuff that Jan was saying, right? Like between the fourth and fifth dimensions, between the seventh and eighth dimensions, like, and she's describing these things to me, you know, uh, my job is to keep my mouth shut. I don't actually know what she's talking about. And I uh, don't want to throw her off of her flow because she's struggling enough as it is to hear on this level anyway, because, you know, so we're both just like, okay, Jesus, help us, help us, Holy Ghost. And, and uh, as I'm listening, I'm, I'm thinking because I've had myself a few encounters with shadow people or what I thought were shadow people. And it was always in dreams. I remember uh, even growing up, I had a dream with an encounter with a shadow person in the basement of my parents' house. And it was evil. It was opening up some kind of a portal. And uh, there was another dream that I had where there was an encounter with a shadow person and it kind of walked through me and I felt real icky. Uh, of course, this is going back a long time now, 15 plus years. And, you know, I had a cousin on my dad's side of the family who had also had some encounters with shadow people. And we talked about it and we were thinking, yeah, this might be attached to the bloodline on the Haitian side. And so I had done some renunciations surrounding shadow people in the past. And I even found out uh, along the way that shadow people work their way into a bondage of individuals through bloodline stuff. So if you go into my first book, Prayers That Shake Heaven and Earth, and you go into the non-human bloodline section, you'll actually find the shadow people bloodline, uh, which has set some people free. But what Jen was describing was a whole new level of information. I had never made a connection to oil fields. I had never made a connection to, you know, fifth and sixth dimensions and separation. And so we just tracked it. Uh, but anyway, Jan, go, go ahead and continue talking about what you were learning. Yeah, so basically it came down to uh, we needed to pray for um, the this twinning that had happened between my aunt and I so that these these entities could be uh, released from that. So you did. You prayed over uh, she and I, and I saw the the shadow people getting sucked back into their own um, realms. So they're now they're back in the uh, the fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth. They're back in their own dimensions, but they're still separate. They're still separated. And so you asked Jesus what what you should do what we should do about that and 
And he said that you needed to form a bridge so that they could come together. And so you started praying, and you always, when you pray, you always use the names of God. And as you were praying the names of God, I saw a bridge forming. It's like each name of God was a plank in the bridge, and it just got laid down one after the other, after the other, after the other, until this bridge stretched between those dimensions and those shadow people came together on that bridge. And they were black. They were totally black when they were in their own dimensions. And when they met in the middle of that bridge, they turned to light. They turned to light. And uh, Jesus had angels just come and escort them off to wherever they go. I don't know where they went. But it was the most amazing thing to watch that they they were light beings. And, and then uh, we asked the Lord about, about that. And... Um, and he confirmed that they, they were originally light beings. And during the fall, when they were separated, then they were used by magic. And it was the magic that I saw on them that made them into the shadows, to make them into dark entities. And so, you know, for however many eons they've been used as um, uh, subjects of magic and strongholds and um, building rituals and so forth on them. And so that was, that was just an amazing thing to see and to, um, to, to see something that I saw as evil really turn to good. It was just, it was profound. It was amazing. So Jan's getting delivered. Of course, I'm left with several theological problems right now. I mean, folks, listen, you're listening and you're thinking the same thing I'm thinking. What? <laughs> Even as Jen's describing what Jesus is doing, I'm like, I'm like waiting for it. I'm like, he's going to bring a hammer and he's going to smash him. He's going to bring a chainsaw and cut him in half. Get those shadow people. A bridge? <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> They're turning the light? The angels are taking them somewhere? Like, so I'm actually not in charge right now. Jesus is doing this. Probably because he knows that I don't know his heart in the mat. I, I, I am actually on the outside of knowledge that I'm beginning to minister into. And what we're learning is that we don't know everything, right? And as Christians, we think we're so smart. We just think we're full of smarts. If it's a spirit and it's not an angel, it's a demon. I know it. And when you ask people, well, where do demons come from? I don't know. They're just bad spirits. And it's like, well, there's a lot of history that we don't know. And there are a lot of things at work that we really don't understand fully. And I'll tell you, you know, it was a while back. I did a podcast and Ruthie Andrews came on the show and introduced a lot of us to the idea of stoikion. And those are elements or elementals and how, you know, God created them right? But does fire hurt people? Yeah, sometimes fire will burn down your house. The wind will blow your stuff over. Like, they, they don't, they're not always doing nice and kind things, these elements. But 
God has a redemptive purpose. They can be won over. They can have evil scrolls. Those scrolls can be replaced with godly scrolls, depending on who's calling the shots in that region. What's So there's a lot more to understand about how the world works, how we interact with God's creation. And this turned into one of those stories where I just didn't have all the pieces. And Jen wasn't the only one getting delivered. Oil fields were getting delivered. Jen, what else is going on here? <laughs> well, it ended up, I had had a dream um, or so a couple months before of, um, I was in this building and there was a table and all these men were coming in and putting money down on this table. And I knew the amount was $76,000. And um, I just, I wrote the dream down, but didn't think too much about it. And then it came up in this session and uh, the Lord said that that was the amount of money that my dad had negotiated with this red, uh, the guy that owned this oil field. And that that was his, he promised to pay my dad $76,000 when his oil field paid off, which it never did. And so, so um, this was a contract that had been made for our souls. And, you know, our souls were taken, basically, and, and hitched up to these uh, magically uh, conformed shadow people. And, you know, the money never came through. So you did another uh, prayer, Court of Heaven prayer, on all of that and uh, cleared out all that mess. But um, they, uh, you had asked Jesus, uh, did these shadow people know God? And his answer was, oh yeah, they were light beings captured in magic. And I thought that was so, that kind of just summed up the whole thing right there. And uh, you made a comment at the very end of this session about, uh, just kind of off the cuff, I think, comment about oil prices. <laughs> I thought you might want to share that. <laughs> so, folks, let me tell you this, okay? I'm thinking, well, because I'm a scientist of the spirit. Like, I, I don't just buy any kind of crock that someone brings to me. You know, even in my own sessions, I'm like, I don't know about that. You know, I, I just, I, like, I think people think that I just believe anything because I talk about stuff that people don't know about. It's not true. I'm actually always looking for evidence. And often the evidence is the fruit of deliverance and inner healing. That, that, that'll settle the score. Holy Spirit never heals based on a lie. But here I am being smart. And I'm just like, yeah. So uh, we'll know this is real if uh, we see the stock price of oil drop. <laughs> and, and this is the thing, folks. I completely forgot about this session. We did this in January. So coronavirus happens. And then Putin keeps driving oil production. This causes, because no one's going anywhere or driving their cars anywhere, a flood of oil into the market. So no one knows what to do with all of their stock. No one's buying. No one's putting gas in their cars. And production is full on a 
forward, I think Putin was making a massive strike against the Roman, the uh, Rockefeller and Rothschild uh, groups because, you know, at least the Rockefellers, they sit on oil. That, that, that Illuminati group is heavily funded by oil. And so hitting the oil market is actually a strike on that whole <laughs> block of the kingdom of darkness. And, and, and Putin's doing it, right, in the natural. Well, this drives and other, you know, factors drive oil prices below zero dollars a gallon by april we're looking at gas and it's like a dollar fifty it's still cheap and <laughs> of course i'm looking at oil prices i don't think about this session and then one day jan sends me an email hey daniel you remember this session we did i was like you gotta be kidding me <laughs> So I have to share, if yeah. I may, the article I found on this. Tell, tell me about it. It said oil hit 0 0.01 cents a barrel before falling to as low as a negative $40 and eventually settling, settling at $37.63, the lowest level recorded since the New York Mercantile Exchange began trading oil futures in 1983 and that was on april 20th of 20. so three months after this session we got the confirmation <laughs> so folks let me tell you something god is doing some extraordinary things he is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask think or imagine and we are learning just how real this is um wow well jan thank you for this is there anything you'd like to share before we conclude this week's episode well thank you again dan just thanks for letting me share part of my journey and i just i want to bless all the other survivors out there that are on their journeys and just um you know i just encourage you to Believe your memories, believe your process. Don't rely upon history um, to try to confirm what's going on in your life. Rely upon Jesus because he's really the only one that knows. And he will confirm things. He is so uh, faithful to, uh, to do that. And so thank you. Thanks for listening. Bless your week. And thanks, Dan. Bless you. All right, folks, until next time, God bless and Godspeed. You've been listening to Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall. This podcast is a production of Bride Ministries International. Visit our website at BrideMinistriesInternational.com to enjoy the Bride Ministries Church, the Bride Ministries Institute, free resources, and to support us financially.